Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging objective truth. Here's the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton. Thank you, Suzanne. Today on Core Principles for our 99th episode, I'm going to talk about objective reality. I try to talk about this consistently. After all, as Suzanne says at the beginning of every episode, we try to examine issues through the lens of unchanging objective truth. But what is unchanging objective truth? Is there such a thing? Of course, there had better be. But some people don't believe there is such a thing. So today I'm going to talk about why it's so important that objective reality does exist and that we do acknowledge it. I want to thank my friend Chris Black for motivating me to do this topic. He has been a guest on this program, and he welcomed me as a guest on his podcast called The Nitty and the Gritty. Recently, he invited me to join him at a fundraiser for Eastern Kentucky Flood Relief at the Purple Toad Winery. It was a great venue and a fun time with enjoyable live music performed by Wildflower Honey and the Hot Biscuits. I should give special thanks to Tiffany, the lead singer, for posting the event invitation on Facebook. Well, when Chris and I were talking, as we enjoyed that event, we did as we typically do. We talked a little bit about music, we talked a little bit about ridiculous things, and we talked a lot about serious, deep, philosophical things. Chris is a thinker, and he challenges not only his own very sharp mind, but he also challenges my mind that I should think critically about what I believe and why I believe it. I appreciate that. It is important for us to do such things. And so I sometimes think about the importance of acknowledging that objective truth exists and that we should live in accordance with it and that we should pursue it. That is what this episode is about. I can sum up my view of objective reality In four words, that, that is, is. Did you catch that? I said, that, that is, is. But my four-word summary of objective reality is insufficient to convince people of the truth, so let's dig in deeper. Well, I just used the word truth, so maybe that's a good place to start. The concept that we communicate by use of the word truth has a meaning that we understand, doesn't it? If you ever testify in a court of law, you take an oath to, quote, tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, end quote. You'd better know what that means, as you promise such a course of action while placing your hand on the holy scriptures of God. But for you to tell the truth means for you to say things only which align with reality. But Clay, you say, suppose you say things that align with your perception or your point of view, which are necessarily subjective. Good question. In that case, in a court of law, a wise attorney will object to your statement or the question that preceded it as having called for speculation, which the court of law should consider worthless. The word truth in the English language, as it would be in other languages for their own word for this, 
is so basic and so fundamental that even dictionaries get into circular statements trying to express its definition. For example, truth, noun, the quality or state of being true. That which is true or in accordance with fact or reality. Or from the Oxford Dictionary of the English Language, truth, the true facts about something, rather than things that have been invented or guessed. But the Merriam-Webster Dictionary gives a non-self-referential definition of truth, and it says, truth is a transcendent, fundamental, or spiritual reality. Transcendent, fundamental, reality. That is also known as objective reality. To transcend is to go beyond. And what does the reality, that is truth, go beyond? It goes beyond our opinions, our hopes, our wishes, our points of view. It is explicitly not subjective. It is objective. It does not depend on us in any way. Rather, we are beholden to it. As I've started this examination of objective reality with dictionary definitions of words, it's good to recognize that words need to have meanings that are understood and abided by, or else communication becomes meaningless and impossible. If words don't mean what they mean, then whatever you say becomes meaningless. And this is why it is so insidious that so-called liberals or progressives or other leftists often seek to change the definitions of words. They can never prevail in debates about topics because their views are contrary to objective reality, and they can never overcome that. But rather than realign themselves with reality, they still want what they want, and to get what they want, they will do anything. We'll talk later about how they can rationalize any behavior when they are unbound by any sense of morality, ethics, or decency, and unbound by adherence to truth and reality. But for the moment, let's observe a few things about their ploys to simply redefine words to try to get their own selfish way. I will give four examples of recent attempts by so-called liberals to change the definition of words for their own nefarious ends. First, they've changed the definition of the word recession. This one seems less outrageous than some others, so it will help us ease into this part of the topic. Plus, it's a hilarious example of how petty and stupid they are, so it's a good place to start. Since the Democrats stole the legislative and executive branches of our government, they have implemented policies that have wrecked our economy. I contend they have done this on purpose, and their purpose is to cause more citizens to become dependent on government and thereby forfeit liberty. But regardless, we have experienced a couple of quarters in a row of negative change to our gross domestic product. The word used to describe that undesirable trend in the economy is recession, or it used to be. In July of 2022, the Democrats sought to change the definition of the word recession. In fact, 
Wikipedia changed their definition of recession and then locked that page. Now, they may have undone that since reasonable people ridiculed them for such a stupid action. No matter what you call it, the Democrats have caused great harm to the economy, and their instinct was to try to fool people into believing otherwise simply by changing the definition of a word. It would therefore be wise to never trust Democrats. The second example of so-called progressive simply changing definitions to avoid objective reality is equally hilarious, but actually more serious. They changed the definition of the word vaccine. As of 2020, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention echoed others in their description of what the word vaccine meant, along with related terms. In fact, they said that the terms vaccinated, inoculated, and immunized were all interchangeable as synonyms. Those things mean, of course, to gain immunity to a disease. And they used the words to describe the experimental messenger RNA shots that Pfizer, BioNTech, and Moderna developed in response to the virus from the Wuhan Institute of Virology called SARS-CoV-2 and its associated disease called COVID-19. In fact, for one noteworthy example, Joe Biden said on CNN in July of 2021, quote, you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations, unquote. Well, if they were actually vaccines and thus actually provided immunity, then yes, you would have immunity. But that is not the reality of the messenger RNA shots. Biden himself took four of those shots and got COVID anyway. And the veterinarian who is the chief executive officer of Pfizer, Albert Borla, announced today, the 15th of August, 2022, that although he also took four jabs of his own product, he got the disease that it supposedly immunized against. But instead of telling the truth that the experimental messenger RNA shots may provide some protection against the original Wuhan strain of SARS-CoV-2 and the first variant of COVID-19, the leftists, liberals, and progressives wanted to keep falsely claiming that the shots were actually vaccines that therefore necessarily prevented getting the disease. Their claims are proven false, but they took the extraordinary step of blatantly denying objective reality and merely changing the definition of the word vaccine. They, of course, cannot change reality by such tricks. They just render words meaningless and reveal themselves as fools. Rendering words meaningless is horrible, and our next example is one of the worst cases of that. This example, and the next example, will also help move us into the latter part of this episode about objective reality, because with this word and the next word, we're getting to things with God, the creator of the universe, which he defined, and which therefore we humans have no legitimate say in changing or altering. This next word I'm talking about is marriage. We go to the creation account that God inspired Moses to document in the book of Genesis. 
God has created the universe and everything in it, and as he is proceeding with that, he has finally made living creatures, ultimately making man in his own image. After everything God made, he saw it, reflected on it, and declared it was good, until verse 18 of the second chapter, quote, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Unquote. And then in verses 21 to 24, quote, So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man was sleeping, God took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Unquote. That is God's singular, unchanging, unchangeable definition of marriage. True equality exists because all of us are equally under the authority of the creator of the universe, who is also the lawgiver. God defined marriage equally for everyone, and he defined it as husband plus wife. And in case anyone needed reminding of that, Jesus, the Son of God, who is in fact one with God and who was with God at creation, reminded us all, as recorded in Matthew chapter 19, quote, Haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh? Unquote. Those are words of Jesus. And just as God defines certain things equally for all, Jesus is one with him, and of himself, Jesus declared in John 14:6, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." Unquote. Yes, listeners, truth exists, and Jesus is the truth, unchanging, as we know from Hebrews 13:8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Period. The end. Quant erat demonstrandum. The contention of this episode that objective reality, a.k.a. unchanging objective truth, exists and should be sought by all of us is proven incontrovertibly. But I'm going to continue briefly because we need to examine the harms and the consequences of denying that reality. So continuing with our look at how progressives attempt to change definitions to suit their losing arguments, we're looking at their futile and anti-God attempts to change God's definition of marriage. The government of the United States, as well as some other governments, now recognize certain contractual arrangements in which persons can share property and have visitation rights typically exclusive to family members. And those governments call those recognized contractual arrangements by the name marriage, 
but that's just misusing that singularly defined word, which God himself defined once for all as husband plus wife. The marriage relationship God defined is absolutely unique, and no other relationships, even those which use the same word, have any true kinship to the true relationship God defined as marriage. Perhaps to avoid confusion in light of the abuse of that word by governments, we should refer to the husband and wife relationship as matrimony. It is the only relationship in which God permits certain behavior. It is completely unique. The last of the four examples of progressives attempting to eradicate the meanings of words is the word woman. I went into this in detail in my podcast episode at the end of March called What is a Woman? And by the way, my episode on that preceded the documentary by Matt Walsh that has the same name. But his documentary is amazing and I highly recommend it. Part of the catalyst for my episode, What is a Woman?, was a conversation in the confirmation hearing for our latest Supreme Court justice. Senator Marsha Blackburn asked the nominee if she could say what a woman is, and the nominee said she couldn't because she's not a biologist. Now, that is one of the stupidest and most nonsensical statements ever, and surely disqualified the nominee. But liberals voted her onto the Supreme Court in spite of that. What a shame. But the horror and wickedness of eradicating the clearly understood term woman is far worse than that ridiculous exchange in the Supreme Court nomination hearing. Lives are being destroyed and children are being abused. Denying the objective reality that I already read for you that God created men and women is literally satanic in that it is explicitly opposed to God. Of course, God gave us ways to observe the reality of what he created. We call observation of God's creation science. In scientific observation, we have observed that created beings have blueprints in the cells of their bodies that specify how they are made and what they are. In humans, we also observe chromosomes that further indicate which of the two sexes a person is. Humans without Y chromosomes are female. They are women. The biological, scientific, objective reality of what we are, including which of the two sexes or genders we are, cannot be changed. People can act like what they are not, and people can even surgically alter their physical bodies to look like what they are not, but they cannot change what they actually are. For more information on this from a medical scientific perspective, you can read Dr. Ryan Anderson's book, When Harry Became Sally, or you can listen to my interview with him on the Core Principles podcast about his book. By the way, Amazon banned his book because so-called liberals oppose objective reality and they oppose truth. Why does this harm children? Because some adults are teaching children the opposite of these truths which God established equally for all. Some of these adults go onto social media and brag about the ways that they are grooming children into their anti-reality, particularly as relates to sexuality. 
And that word I just used to describe their behavior has become banned by some of the same social media platforms. But the bragging about actually doing that has not been banned. That is obviously sick. Jesus said of the people who would treat children in ways like that, quote, it would be better for them if a millstone were tied around their necks and they were thrown into the sea, unquote. Those are Jesus' words recorded by Luke in his gospel, chapter 17, verse 2. And now we've seen that the denial of the existence of objective reality can lead to things that are ridiculous and can lead to things that are terrifying. In fact, of course, it leads to a denial of moral and ethical right and wrong. God is not only creator, but he is also lawgiver. True equality can only exist if we are all equally bound by the same rules or law. The only possible way we can all be equally bound by the same law is if the lawgiver is equally above all of us. And the only possible lawgiver who could be equally above all of us is the creator of the universe. I certainly wouldn't give ultimate ethical and moral authority to temporary administrators of government, whether bureaucrat, legislator, president, queen, or king. People are capricious, and all people must be under the same law for there to be actual equality. Objective reality and truth must exist for this to be possible, as it must be. The consequences of denying the existence of objective reality and unchanging objective truth should be obvious. There could be no such thing as right and wrong if there were no objective reality or no unchanging objective truth. That would mean, for example, if a man broke into your house, stole all your possessions, and murdered everyone in your family, you could not claim that he did anything wrong because there could be no actual standard of right and wrong. Fyodor Dostoevsky illustrated this unalterable principle best in his book called The Brothers Karamazov. In that book, some atheistic brothers were debating a circumstance in which one had murdered a man. One rationalized, if there is no God, then everything must be permitted. Thus, just as redefining commonly understood words does not actually win debates, but does render communication impossible or meaningless, so it is that denying objective reality also causes the eradication of all checks against horrific behaviors, including such things as murder. Therefore, I urge you all to uphold and to champion objective reality. And for my part here on Core Principles, I intend to continue to attempt to examine relevant topics through the lens of unchanging objective truth. Have a blessed day. Core Principles podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by Real Productions. Music is by Late July, L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find our music on all streaming services or at latejuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles podcast please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information and please share with your friends. We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.